This is the Influencers Network Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Craig. I'm the Executive Director for Influencers Global Ministries here in Bentonville, Arkansas. And uh, we are continuing our podcast series on the journey, and uh, which is obviously the, the biggest thing of what we do as influencers. There's more than just that, but it's it's obviously the, the heartbeat of what we do. And so we are taking each uh, important topic and session that's in the journey. And I'm, invi- I'm inviting different uh, leaders in our ministry to come and be my guest to talk about that. So this morning, I've got a special guest with me. Uh, this is our global board president, Mark Sewell. Welcome, Mark. Hey, Brian. Glad, glad to have you, brother. Um, and uh, so some of them, some, a lot of the people know who you are, maybe, but uh, maybe they don't. Um, so tell them a little bit about yourself. You're a chiropractor here in Northwest Arkansas. And just talk a little bit about who you are, what you do, your family. And then obviously, I want to hear a little bit about how you found out about the journey and what that's meant to you. Okay. Yeah. Um, my wife and I are both chiropractors. We've been in Northwest Arkansas for 24 years. Um, we have two boys that... Uh, I've both been through the journey. One of them is 21 and is a senior in college. And then our youngest, Blaine, is a senior in high school. Um, and the journey has just meant so much to us as a family. You know, like I said, we we got the joy of taking our boys through the journey together um, five or six years ago and just was truly a life-changing event as a family for us. And I think I've been part of uh, or been in journey groups for um, 13 or 14 years now. Um, and I've had the opportunity to lead several and just love this process, love what we get to do, love how um, God just gets to use us to help make disciples for his kingdom. Well, and and uh, I think that you probably are the person who's handed out more journey books than anyone I know, I think, but you know, you have your practice there and you get people on the table where you're just in their back and you don't, you don't let them up until they take this book. Right. So sometimes that has to happen. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, you know, and in particular, you, you were so gracious to help pastors, you know, with their chiropractic care and uh, you love to minister to pastors, don't you? Yes, sir. Yeah. God's just, he's really opened the door for multiple pastors to come through and, it's just been amazing how I've got to just talk to them about uh, discipleship and just the Lord opens that door and then I get to lead them through the journey a lot of times or get them connected in the journey group. And we've seen a lot of amazing fruit through that. Yeah. And you've led, you've probably led at least 20 journey groups. I know that. So yeah, <laughs> yes. that's awesome. Well, hey, talk real quick before we get into our topic, talk a little bit about who invited you to the journey the first time and 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 what it did for you. Well, honestly, Brian, I had I'd given up on men's ministry. Um, I'd went through about every men's ministry I'd ever found at every church I'd ever been at. And uh, I stood out in the parking lot of our church and just uh, argued with God one day after the a men's group that I had just finished up and I just said, Lord, with this men's ministry, I'm done. I don't ever want to do another one. So I was going to start doing women's ministry books because I've seen my life growing in the Lord, but I just wasn't. I was just uh, 
all of our stuff was so superficial for men that I was just so disgusted with it. And, um, and had really determined I was going to go buy a women's ministry uh, deal that Beth Moore wrote called a woman's heart, God's dwelling place, because Regina had told me that was the best uh, ministry tool that she'd ever been a part of and had planned on doing that on Friday at lunchtime. And right before lunch, one of my patients walked in who was a pastor at the church and just asked me if I'd read this book and come and do a book review on it the next week. And I said, well, what is it? And he goes, uh, I don't know a lot about it. He said, I'm just kind of learning about it myself. But he said, I'd love for you to be a part. So honestly, instead of going and getting that um, a woman's heart, God's dwelling place at lunchtime. I just started reading this book and, you know, it was the journey then a chamber and I got five or six chapters into it and just put it down. I said, God, I don't know what this is. I mean, that, that's all I knew about it was a book review. I didn't know anything beyond that. And I said, I don't know what it is, but God, I know that this is what I need. So please just show me what it is. And so I finished out the, the first half of the book, went to the book review, um, and then they said, read the second half, come back, and uh, we'll do another book review. So I did that, and um, I finished that, and they said, go home and pray about it. I said, I don't need to pray. I know that this is what I'm supposed to do. So I was in right there, and uh, it was just in a life-changing event for me. I mean, I, I never experienced anything like it. Um, just it was incredible, you know, to finally have something with some meat on the bone. You know, I always felt like that every men's ministry tool that I'd ever been exposed to was just helping me work on horizontal relationships, whether, you know, to be a better dad or a better husband and, you know, but nothing that showed me how to be a better son of God. And so that's that's what I love about this journey, you know. And the funny thing was, was um, my wife, you know, she sees me growing and she she knew me. She knew that I'd never really experienced any spiritual growth in anything I'd ever done prior to that point. And uh, she meets me at the door one day and says, hey, why didn't you tell me to read that book? And I'm like, what book are you talking about? And she said, the journey book. And I said, well, it's for men. And she goes, no, it's not, Mark. This is what the body of Christ is lacking. And so she started taking herself through the journey at that point. But right about that time, I'd finished my first journey group. And we decided, uh, Greg Hewitt and I, to lead our wives through it and some other couples from our church. So that's how we uh, got our wives involved. So yeah, it's funny. I, I was thinking that, you know, oddly enough, that she became interested in, in your men's ministry tool. But uh, we and we thought Rocky even thought this was for men. And uh, God has expanded our vision. You know, and you, you and I yeah. are on the board together. And we talk about these things all the time. Like, all right, Lord, we're just where do you want to go next? You know, we're just yeah. trying to hold it loosely because he keeps expanding our vision over and over sure. again. So <laughs> well, we never thought I mean, I would have never thought at the beginning that, you know, kids, you know, teenage kids could get this, but boy, I've just seen that and seen amazing changes in young men that have went through the journey, you know? 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. And if any of you are listening and, and missed our, I interviewed Mark in the past uh, with the football head football coach of a, of a small Christian school here in this area, not a small, actually a pretty large Christian school, but uh, all about how they took their coaches or he took the coaches through the journey and then they took all the kids through the journey. And we did a podcast on that. And so you can find it in our archives. It's, it was a great interview, uh, but that was that was another God story for sure. Um, well, OK, so. Mark, we've been going through the taking people through the journey, just at the topics of the journey, you know, and, and building a case. You know, Rocky built a great case for why why we do the journey. And then we did talked about God knows, God cares, God's willing, God is able. So in the first part of the journey, we're we're taking the participants through, we're building a case, if you will, that God's an intimate God. Yes. You know, they thought they knew God, but maybe they didn't know God. Or maybe there's more they need to know about God than what they did. And then we talked about the orphan spirit, you know, can be a hindrance, can be something that's keeping that, you know, and they don't even realize they've got that, you know. So I, we've all we've had interviews about all those and, and those are just great things. So then it comes to this really key part of the journey, which is at the end of the first segment, we we do we recommend that the groups do an extended time of prayer. And, uh, and we use a little book that Rocky wrote, uh, The Prayer Cottage and the Sacred Garden. And little known fact is that that was actually his first book he ever wrote. Yeah. Uh, it was before he wrote that before he wrote journey to the inner chamber. Uh, and he wrote it for the commencement for the very first journey group. But then later they placed it right here in this part of the journey. Cause it, it fit right in here. So, so let's talk a little bit about Mark, about, about that book. And then, and then why that extended prayer time, you know, is so important and maybe what it looks like a little bit for those who haven't experienced it. Yeah. wherever you want to dive in. <laughs> okay. Well, I'll just take you back to my first one. So that was probably uh, one of the most memorable days, biggest life chain days in my whole life. Um, you know, I went out in the woods. Well, actually, I, I showed up at Greg Hewitt's farm and uh, was the first day I ever met Rocky Fleming, actually. Rocky was there and he was going to help Greg facilitate this uh, first extended prayer time because Greg, this was the first time he's ever led it. And so, you know, Rocky asked us some questions, you know, before we went out, hey, have you guys ever went and prayed for four hours? And we're like, no, no. And <laughs> you know, I remember one guy said, what happens if I fall asleep? And Rocky said, hey, God's big enough. He can minister to you in your sleep if he needs to. You know? So <laughs> I, I just thought, wow, what wisdom, you know, from this guy. Of course, you know, like I said, I just met him, but I was just in awe of him, you know, because kind of a rock star type thing, you know, hey, I'm, I've met the guy that wrote the journey, you know. So, <laughs> but anyway, you know, I went out there with my chair and my bottle of water and, you know, my journal and Brian, I'll just be honest, prior to that, prior to that three months of studying the Bible, you know, through the God knows and God cares, he's willing, he's able. I never studied Bible. I, I didn't grow up when I was young in church. Um, I was a infant in the word. Um, I didn't ever experience, you know, um, the traditional Sunday school. So a lot of the stories in the Bible were all new to me. And, you know, I, I went to church, but I'd always had this secondhand knowledge of who Jesus was. And, and I always thought that was enough because no one ever told me any different. And uh, so 
when I started reading that the Bible for the first time and doing the journaling and going through that stuff, it was just like opening of the floodgates and just, I was just amazed at the word of God. And to be honest, prior to that, the only time I cracked my Bible is if I couldn't sleep, I'd open it up and read a chapter and it usually put me to sleep, you know, and ashamed to say that nowadays, but that was it. I had never read through, I don't think, one book of the Bible prior to starting the journey. And I had literally been going to church. I was 36 years old at that time. And I was probably one of the most, you know, active religious people there were. I was at church every time the doors were open. And like I said, I was at every men's group that there was, but just never realized the importance of the word of God and that that self-feeding on the word. So, So I'm out there in this field and I start reading through, you know, I read the book and I start going into this exam room and man, it hit me there. I just started weeping. Oh, because I knew I'd been living a lie, Mm. you know, um, I said, I love Jesus. But I didn't know Jesus because I didn't know his word. Mm. And I felt the Holy Spirit's conviction on me like I'd never felt before. And, you know, I always say that that's the day that I fell in love with Jesus. Up until that, I didn't have a relationship with him. I didn't know him. I didn't know his word. So how could I know him? And, and I just, I gave my heart to Jesus that day. And it's been a different every day, ever since that day. Mm. And, you know, I just, I laid it all out in my journal, you know, I just said, Lord, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that I've lied. I've pretended to be something that I wasn't, you know, and Brian, I was, like I said, I was active in church, but I was a pretender. You know, I remember back in high school, I was, um, you know, the president of FCA at our school, but man, I was a heathen among heathens, you know, and I was the chief heathen above among them. And, you know, I, I probably led more people away from the Lord up until that point than I'd ever led to them, you know, and, and I was just broken for that. And, mm. uh, you know, as I read through those different stages in that book, you know, you, you go into that grace room and you just realize how wonderful his grace is. But then, you know, like it even talks about that stark contrast to walking into that exam room and, you know, it's cold and, you know, it, it does, you know, that's where that word of God, I think when he talks about in Hebrews that, you know, it's sharp enough to separate you know, basically the good from the bad. And I felt like that surgical procedure was being done in that exam room and, you know, showing me who I was or who I claimed to be was not who I truly was. And then you walk out of that and you go to that pool, just, you know, you feel restored, you feel clean and you put on that white robe of righteousness. And, oh man, there is nothing like that feeling. Because I I could say for the first time in my life, I felt like all those burdens of sin had been truly removed. You know, I no longer was 
just sorry for my sin, that that worldly sorrow that, you know, the word says leads to death. I felt like there was truly godly sorrow that led to repentance. And man, I walked out of there and I was pure and I was holy. And, you know, I could feel the Holy Spirit just ministered the rest of those three hours. And that probably all took place in the first 30 minutes. Mm. And so, you know, next three and a half hours was just, you know, the feeling, the love of Jesus, like I'd never felt before. Wow. That is, that, that is so good. Um, and, and again, what you're describing is you're describing a little bit of Rocky's book. And so he, he wrote this book for the first journey group for the commencement because he wanted to help them understand how to have an extended time of prayer with the Lord. Cause he thought, thought a lot of guys didn't know how to do that. And so again, I, I think you and I believe for sure that Rocky's an anointed writer which yeah. means the Holy Spirit, when he starts writing, the Holy Spirit uses him as a vessel to speak. And, and it's always, it's always got God's word peppered throughout it. It's, it's always based on God's word, but the Rocky had this uh, creative way to illustrate it by describing a vision of a, of a, of a little cabin and a guy goes inside the cabin and there's different rooms and, and, and God meets him in every one of those rooms. It's really, it's really awesome. And uh, I think that's when Rocky first realized that he might have something to give the body of Christ through his writing. And so, so we tell people to read this whole story in preparation for this time. And then we send them out and say, all right, go take your chair, your journal and your water and go find a spot and meet us back here in three hours or something like that. And yeah, most people are intimidated. Like you said, they think they're going to fall asleep. They're going to get bored. You know, and we used to say, well, how many of you guys were hunters? You know, I mean, how long have you sat in a duck blind or in a, in yeah. a, in a deer stand, you know, they could do that for hours, you know, yes. or by a fishing bomb, but, but to sit with God for three hours, the creator of the universe, that's a little too much of a stretch, right? Yeah. <laughs> but, um, but you're right. The more we sit with the Lord, I mean, I I've done it. I've led like about 20 groups as well. And every time I've seen people come back and tell stories of things that God spoke to their heart. Yes. And, and it's almost like we have to sit still long enough to, to listen, you know, because yeah. we live in this super hyperactivity all the time with our, between our phones and our schedules and media and all that stuff. We can't hear. I don't think we can yeah. hear from him. So uh, so anyway, uh, it's always a rewarding experience. And I, I think a lot of my co-guides I've talked to and stuff, they said that they think that's when the light bulb kind of like for you. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, the, all the first part of the journey is great, but people are just taking it in, yeah. but it doesn't really seem to fully make sense till they go sit with the Lord for a few hours, you yes. know, and then it's like, ah, now I get it. He does love me. He does care. Uh-huh. And, and maybe there's some things I need to change. Like you said, you, you, the conviction hits you, you know? So, so I guess um, my question is um, maybe, maybe it's an evident question, but why, why, why is this so important? Why, why is this part of the journey so important? Mark. Well, I mean, just like you just said, Brian, he says, be still and know that I'm God. And we're never still. And so we really don't know that he's God. You know, we're wanting him to fit into our little, you know, 10 minute devotional time in the mornings or something. But man, you just look at Jesus and his ministry. What did he do? He he went away, he got away and he got alone with the father. And here he is the son of God. And 
he needed, you know, extended prayer times. And why would we ever think that we could try to make it without that, you know? And the thing that just amazes me is every time we do these, you know, people will say, well, four hours, how am I going to pray for four hours? And you're like, just trust me, it's going to be okay. And um, every time they come back and say, that was the fastest four hours of my life, you know? Mm -hmm. And even when Regina and I led some teenagers through the, uh, through the journey at our old church, it was pretty neat because we did this and um, we told them, Hey, don't take your phones. And so we had them bring them up and we were in the sanctuary. We had them just lay them down on the stage. And I said, lay your idols at the altar, you know, cause that's, that's how it is, you know? And they were like, really, we can't take our phone. We're like, no, just go, go pray. And then, and the thing that came out of that, that just blew my mind was even with these kids from, you know, like 13 to 17 years old, every one of them came back and said, that was the fastest three hours of my life. And, you know, so it, it hits everybody that they need that quiet time, you know? And one thing I, you know, you talked about deer hunting, there's been multiple times that I, I, I go to the woods and I had just taken, you know, snapshots of those little places in the book of just describing the grace room, you know, all of those different places. And I'll go through a, a time of prayer and just use that as, you know, my kind of my syllabus to for my extended prayer time out in the woods, you know, and mm. taking my son's hunting before. And I'll do the same thing. You know, I'll just whisper, OK, boys go into this room and, you know, tell them what to pray about. And then on the way home from the woods, I'll say, okay, would the Lord talk to you out there, you know, and just been amazing to me, even in those times, how the Lord just uses something like hunting, but yet it is just being still and getting alone with him that he just reveals so much of his love for me to me through that, you know. Well, and, and usually we we give the participants a little bit of a of a pep talk before they go out, and we talk about the importance of this, and we say because most people think of prayer as them talking to God, yes. and they they miss the part about listening to God, and and that it's a, it's supposed to be a two way conversation. It's not supposed to be one way, mm-hmm. and uh, and so we're really encouraging them to listen and then write down what they're hearing in their journals and all that. And I think that's a, sometimes that's when they first kind of click into the, Hey, this is a relationship. This isn't just, he's way far away and I'm just throwing my prayers up, hoping they reach him mm-hmm. by his grace. No, it's a, it's, he's, he's coming close. He's drawing close to you. Um, and we actually, uh, a new thing we added in the journey a few years ago is after the orphan no more came out, in the last session before the prayer retreat, we asked the participants to write a letter to themselves from God, um, from, from Papa, you know, about their adoption and things like that. And based and about them, him knowing, caring and being willing and able. And then we have the, have them read that letter before they go pray. So, so it also helps the other participants know how to pray for the other individuals in the group, which is kind of cool because sometimes intercessory prayer happens too during that time. Oh, for so. sure. Yeah. Well, and, and one other, one of the quick story I was thinking of was uh, when Rocky and I and a couple other guys went to Egypt uh, in 2007 
Um, we had just had some of the stuff translated into Arabic and we were doing presenting all of this to like 30 Egyptian businessmen through, through translation. They didn't speak English. Um, and we spent a few days, two or three days trying to explain the inner chamber, you know, what was the inner chamber and what was abiding in Christ. And, and we weren't really quite sure they were get, getting it, you know, because they were asking questions like, is this a place? Is this a room in a house? I mean, what, they thought it was an actual literal place because yeah. Rocky describes the inner chamber as a room, you know. Um, but anyway, on the final day, they had just finished translating the prayer cottage into Arabic. And so we gave them all a copy. They'd never seen it before. And we handed out 30 copies in Arabic. And we said, all right. We want you guys to go sit with the Lord for a few hours and read this book. They'd never even read it. And, uh, and then come back and we want to hear what you thought. And uh, we went up to uh, one of the hotel rooms that was up, had a little balcony and we could see the guys spread out all over the, the grounds of this hotel. And they were really reading and contemplating, pacing back and forth. You know, you could tell they were really taken. And then they came back and Rocky uh, spoke to them and said, we don't want you to talk to us. We just want you to talk to each other and we'll just be like a fly on the wall listening. And, and the translator sat next to us so he could tell us what was happening. And that's when the breakthroughs occurred and they started opening up and sharing some things that they read and how God really penetrated their heart through some of the things out of that book. I mean, and, and then the floodgates open and, and they were going back and forth. And it was like, it was so rich, the sharing and the breakthrough. And so, I mean, that's when I knew that this little book was anointed yeah. and that it was because it crossed cultural boundaries. I mean, it, you know, it didn't matter that he was from Mississippi and <laughs> kind of, kind of writes like a Southerner didn't matter. It, it was reaching the hearts of men in Egypt you know, who come from a totally different culture, but just shows how God's principles and his word, his heart is universal, right? It, it can go yeah. anywhere. So I don't know. If, I don't know if you remember us talking about that, but that was, that was pretty, pretty good testimony to the prayer cottage. So, uh, yeah, yeah. It, it is a powerful book. I will tell you that. I mean, I've had multiple people tell me, Oh, that's my favorite book through the whole process, you know? Um, yeah. I think it's just because I think, I don't know if we've been taught how to pray, you know, and it's just such a great outline on just how to keep your thoughts organized, even, you know, and focused on different things and different attributes of God and just and to truly see the love that he has for us. I mean, as he's walking us through all those different things, he's he's still there with us, you know. Even when we're in that darkest part, you know, he's right there with us and walking us through and then explains why we had to go through that to get to this other point. You know, it it was is truly anointed. I will agree with you on that. Well, and you know, um, we're not the journey police, you know, and and but and Rocky's always said you can flex the form, but don't change the DNA of the of the journey or the function of the DNA or whatever of the journey. But uh We've heard through the years that some groups don't do this extended time of prayer, or they'll just say, Hey, go do that on your own, you know, by yourself sometime, you know, and without the accountability of the, of the group and, and all that. And, and, and you and I, and other guys who have experienced the power of it, I think would say, you can't miss that. I mean, that's like, you've got to make time for that. No matter what you do, you got to try to get your group to do this. Wouldn't, would you say that we would, we would, this one thing we would just say, Oh, you've got to do this. Yes. You know, that's the thing. Regina has done a great job over the years when she 
you know, starts putting a group together, she outlines the dates of her extended prayer times. And she says, these are not optional. You know, these it's three months away, plan accordingly, get it on your schedule. And I haven't done nearly as good a job with that. And, you know, if you have a guy that misses, then, you know, the other guys are like, oh, you missed the greatest thing ever. You know, you'll hear them say that's the best day of my life, you know, and and I can't imagine just going through the rest of the journey without those extended prayer times, because that's the icing on the cake of, you know, putting that all together and starting to make sense and tying it together, of how this, why this works so well, you know, of, of experience intimacy, because that's the thing, right? You know, the thing that I feel like that we don't get a lot of in, you know, most studies and church and stuff like that is that this is an intimate God. He wants an intimate relationship with us. And just like with our, our spouse, you know, we have to have time where it's just the two of us. If we're surrounded by people all the time, there's not true intimacy taking place. And that's what I think, you know, sets this journey apart is when we realize that we have an intimate father who wants to have, you know, special times with just us, if we will just pull away and do it. And I have never in all of the guys I've led through the journey, never had anybody that hasn't said that was amazing. You know, every one of them has absolutely loved it. And to me, that that right there tells you how important that process is that, and especially in this busy life that we live, you know, that we take a half day to get away, get alone with the Lord, and guys will say, that was worth it. It was well worth it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you you made a good case for the why, the why we do it. Yeah. And and I will say this, even for virtual journey groups, we figured out a way to to do that. We we just have them log in like on a Saturday morning, log in early and we we talk and maybe do the letters from Papa and all that stuff and then we say, "All right, now you go get away, go find a place outside somewhere with your lawn chair and your Bible and all that. Meet us back in three and a half hours or whatever and log back in. And then we want to hear about it. So there's some accountability to doing it, you know, but uh, same thing, same thing happens. We hear the same stories, you know, it's just so important. So, yeah. well, anyway, any final thoughts on this? Well, I just like to challenge guys that if or and women, if you're leading journey groups and you haven't made this a a key moment in it, then you're really not as um, you, you're doing your participants a horrible injustice because they need this. And I just look back to that first time. If I would not have had that experience, I don't know if this would have really been a life-changing event like it was to me. Mm -hmm. um, because, you know, when, when you seek God, you're going to find him, he tells us. And that's the one thing is we have to get alone. We have to be quiet and get, get in that intimate uh, inner chamber experience. And that's what that is. You get four hours of intimacy in that inner chamber with the Father. Right? Yeah. And yeah. you get your marching orders. That's where you get your marching orders to go out to make a difference for his kingdom, for sure.
That's right. All right. Well, that was great. Well, thank you, Mark. Thanks for taking the time and uh, thanks for your service to this ministry and uh, love you, man. Love you too, brother. Have a great day. Yeah, you bet. And uh, anyway, this has been the Influencers Network podcast, and we're just continuing through our uh, series of called The Journey. And uh, so uh, you can catch all the other episodes on our website under resources and then podcasts, um, or just go to wherever you stream your your podcasts on Spotify, uh, Google, Apple, and we're on there as well. So you can find all these things. So anyway, I hope you guys enjoy them. I hope they're helpful to you, but I've sure been enjoying uh, going through these uh, with our leaders. So. Anyway, my name is Brian Craig, and I'm Executive Director for Influencers Global Ministries, and I'm encouraging you to imbibe in Christ and go make disciples. God bless you.